may have known something about him, but I'm not sure she knew everything that there was to know about that little baby she gave birth to. I appreciate this choir this morning and Pastor Tony and the work they've done over this last month and helping us celebrate Jesus with these wonderful sounds of the season as we sing about his birth and what he means to us. I'm going to ask you this morning, please, to reach for your Bibles. Uh, if you don't mind, let's go to the book of Luke, chapter number two this morning. And I am going to conclude the series that I started back at the very first of December, entitled The Christ of Christmas. We've talked about Christ the baby, and we talked about Christ the man, and we're going to talk this morning about Christ the returning king. So Luke chapter 2, I'm going to ask you to turn there and stand with me, please, this morning, if you don't mind. If you have a Bible or an electronic device or somebody you want to cheat off of this morning that's near you, or you can just follow along on the screen behind me. Luke chapter 2, I'll pick up in the 8th verse, and I'll read through verse number 14. And here's what the Bible says. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. Verse number 9, And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Verse 10, Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. Behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. Verse 11, For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. Verse number 12, and this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. Verse 13, and suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, verse 14, they're singing and they're celebrating the fact that Christ has come. Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. There was the announcement of the angel that the Christ child had come. And I have mentioned this throughout the last few weeks that he came as a baby. That was his first coming. He lived as a man while he was on this earth. After 33 and a half years he went to a cross and he suffered as a savior. He was taken off that cross, placed in a borrowed tomb, raised on the third day, and ascended back to heaven. But if the story stops there, we're in trouble. Oh, come on. But the story, the truth, doesn't stop there. One day, this man that came as a baby is returning as a king. I want to take a few moments today and I want to preach to you on this thought, the Christ of Christmas, Christ, the returning King. Father, for the next few moments, help us today. God, as I endeavor to preach this 
truth to these people today. Open our ears to hear, our eyes to see, and our hearts to receive this morning. And God, it is my prayer today that if there is one person in this building that is not ready to see Jesus, I'm asking, oh God, that by the time this day is done, that they will surrender their hearts and their lives to you. And I thank you for what you're going to do in this place in Jesus' name. The church said amen. God bless you. You can be seated today, Pastor Tony. Thank you. We opened up with a song this morning entitled, Joy to the World. The Lord has come. Let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room. And heaven and nature sing, and heaven and nature sing, and heaven and heaven and nature sing. The second stanza of that song says that he rules the world with truth and grace and makes the nations prove the glories of his righteousness and wonders of his love and wonders of his love and wonders and wonders of his love. That beloved Christmas hymn was penned in 1719 by a man named Isaac Watts. And at one point in the 20th century, it was the most widely published hymn in North America. Now, it may surprise you to know this morning that that song was not written to celebrate the first coming of Jesus as the Christ child. But rather, Mr. Watts wrote that song and penned that song glorifying the triumphant return of Christ to this earth at the end of the age. And in case you don't know yet today, I want to tell you that Jesus indeed is coming back to this earth again. Now it's important during this Christmas season that we remember the first time that he came. And the first time that he came, it was marked by singing angels and scared shepherds. There was a shining star. There were seeking wise men. There was a surrendered womb. There was a not-so-sure husband and a father-to-be. There was a smelly stable. There was a simple manger. But if we are not careful during this Christmas season, we will get stuck at the manger and we will miss the power of his life. The power of his life that was full of such wonderful miracles and significant ministry. We will miss the pain of his death that was marked by such suffering and anguish but was driven by his love for us. You see, I'm convinced that one cannot fully 
appreciate the manger, Pastor Tony, unless they view it and they see it in the shadow of the cross. And if we're not careful, we'll miss the power of his life, the pain of his death. But we will miss the promise and the glory of his return that is going to bring such great joy to our lives. You see, the first time that he came should serve as a reminder to all of us that Jesus indeed is coming again. And when he does, there will be great joy upon his coming. And when he comes again, it's going to happen in the blink of an eye. Now the Bible teaches us that after Jesus was crucified on a cross, he was taken off of that cross and he was placed into a tomb and for three days he was in the heart of the earth. If you study scripture, you will find out that during that three-day period, Aunt B, Jesus descended to the lower parts of the earth there were some great men and women of the Old Testament that were in a holding place. Not in hell, but in a holding place in the bottom of the earth. And at some point during that three-day period, Jesus walked into that holding cell, holding the keys to death, hell, and the grave. And he opened up that cell. He set the captives free, and he took those men and those women to heaven with him. And the Bible teaches us that after that three-day period, that resurrection power invaded that tomb. And Jesus got up victorious over death. And the Bible teaches us that for 40 days after his resurrection, that he walked amongst his people and walked amongst people on this earth. And the Bible says that he showed himself alive by many infallible Proofs. And after that 40th day, as he had gathered his disciples together and he looked at them as they were approaching those final days, that final moment he would spend on this earth, he gives them some parting words. He gives them some instructions. If you read Matthew and Mark, you'll see something uh, that we call the Great Commission. That he tells them to go into all the world and to preach the gospel and to make disciples. But I like what Dr. Luke writes in the book of Acts chapter 1 beginning at verse 8 and going through verse number 11. As Jesus is preparing to leave. He looks at his disciples and gives them two different promises. Actually, he gives them one, and then, and then there's a couple of angels that are going to give them another promise. Here's what Jesus said. But you shall receive power, Acts 1-8, after the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Verse number 9 says that now when he had spoken these things... While they watched, he was taken up from them, and a cloud received him out of their sight. Verse number 10 says, And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, 
who also said to them, verse 11, you men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing into heaven? This same Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will so come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. So Jesus gives the disciples a promise of power, but then those angels give those men and all of us today a promise that the same Jesus who left and went up into heaven, there is a day coming that he is going to return from the same heaven, going to step out on a cloud of glory, and he's going to call us away to live with him forever. Jesus is coming again. The Apostle Paul would write to us in two different passages of Scripture. And both of them intersect and they, they, they correlate with one another. He said in 1 Corinthians 15, verses 51 through 55, he said, Behold, I tell you a mystery. Behold, I show you a mystery. He said, We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised incorruptible, and we will be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible has put on incorruptible, and this mortality has put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the same that is written death is swallowed up in victory. Oh death where is your sting? Oh grave where is your victory? Paul said in a moment in the twinkling of an eye do you realize it takes 300 to 400 milliseconds for us to blink our eye. That is how quickly that the Lord Jesus is going to return from heaven and call us away. He would go over later on in 1 Thessalonians chapter number 4. He would write to the church at Thessalonica because there was some confusion. There was some concern over what would happen when people who had lived for Christ died. Would there be a resurrection? Where would they go? What would happen? And Paul would pull out a pen. He would put it to parchment. He would write to the church in 1 Thessalonians 4, 16, 17, and 18. And he would say this, for the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ are going to rise first and then those who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air and thus we shall always be with the Lord therefore comfort one another with these words I've got good news today for a world that's going wrong I've got a word of comfort for a world in crisis it's not another sermon it's not another program it's not another agenda item on the house floor in Washington but here's the good news I've got for a world today. Jesus Christ is coming again. And when he does, he will bring peace. He will bring joy. He will bring hope. He came as a baby. He lived as a man. He suffered as a savior. But I'm telling you, Jesus Christ is returning again. We could hear the trumpet sound today. And when he does, we'll be caught up out of this place to live with the Lord. If you're glad about that, somebody... Give him praise if you're looking for the return of the Lord.
Jesus is coming again. And I feel like John the Revelator that day on the Isle of Pabbas when he had that vision and he said, even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus. Do you realize that it's possible that before we get home today, Brother Gene Turpin, we could hear a trumpet sound somewhere over on the eastern sky and the next face we see, it could be the very face of the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't know about you, but I'm longing for that day when Jesus returns as King of Kings and as Lord of Lords. Ah, Somebody take a praise break this morning. Hallelujah. And when I look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, let me get a drink of water real fast. Those three verses reveal to me some things. Number one, There is going to be a return. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with the voice of the archangel and the trumpet of God. Listen, Jesus, I don't listen, I don't care what people tell you. I don't care what you've read anywhere else. I don't care what your mama told you, your daddy told you, or any preacher ever told you on TV or anywhere else. Jesus Christ is coming again. There is going to be a return. But here's the second thing that Paul teaches us. There's going to be a resurrection. And the dead in Christ are going to rise first. What does that mean, Pastor? Dead in Christ. That means that folks who have died while they have lived and walked and moved and breathed on this earth. There is literally going to come a day based on what I read in Scripture. That there is going to be an angel that steps out on a cloud somewhere, Aunt B, in the eastern sky. There is going to be a sound of all sounds that every single ear will hear. And the very first people that are going to be taken away in this wonderful event are those that have died in Christ. I have always said that somehow, Brother Stout, when that day gets here, I hope to the good Lord I'm driving by a cemetery or a graveyard somewhere. I hope I'm walking by a graveyard or a cemetery somewhere. Because here's what I believe based on what I read in Scripture, Brother Beckner, that headstones and tombstones are going to start toppling over. We are literally going to see people come up out of a grave six feet deep and we're going to watch them be taken up into the air and into the sky but listen it doesn't stop there there's going to be a return there's going to be a resurrection and there is going to be a rapture because the Bible says after the dead in Christ go first then all of us who are alive and remain who have lived on this earth for Jesus have given our hearts to God it says we are going to be caught up with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Now watch this. Watch this now. Caught up. Well, Pastor, I don't know if we see the word rapture in Scripture. You see the word caught up. It is the Greek word harpezo. And it means a catching away or a catching up. 
And that's exactly what Paul told the church at Thessalonica as they struggled trying to figure out what's going to happen. He said the dead in Christ are going to go first and then there's going to be a catching away. We are going to be harpazoed. We are going to be raptured away and we're going to be with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. There's going to be a return. There's going to be a resurrection. There's going to be a rapture and there is going to be a reunion. Here's what the Bible says. The dead in Christ are going to rise first. And then those of us who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. That means that today if you've got somebody who has gone on before you, has died on this side of heaven, I want to tell you the only thing that's laying in a grave right now is the shell of a man or the shell of a woman because their spirit has already been transported and taken to heaven but there is coming a day I don't know all the theology behind it I don't know all the reasoning behind it I'm not smart enough to figure it all out but here's what I know somehow in some way their spirits are going to be reunited with their bodies they are going to be resurrected and when we get there we're going to find our loved ones some of you are going to find your husband some of you are going to find your wives you're going to find some children you're going to find a grandma you're going to find a grandpa and there's going to be the greatest family reunion that we have ever seen in our lives because when Jesus comes back, he will reunite us together. Hallelujah. There's going to be a return. There is going to be a resurrection. There is going to be a rapture. There is going to be a reunion and that should give all of us a reassurance because here's what Paul said, therefore he said comfort one another with these words. I want you to understand today that our world is in chaos. This world is in crisis. We can preach things, we can say things we can promote stuff and we can do all the things we want to do but I'm telling you the greatest word of comfort we can give to a chaotic filled crisis filled world is the truth that Jesus Christ is coming again soon and when he gets here brother Turpin there'll be peace like we've never known there'll be joy like we've never known I want you to know that the hope of this world is that Jesus Christ is coming again if you're glad about that today come on and praise him Now you do understand that there is going to be a great difference between the first time he came and the next time he comes. I read something sometime back and Pastor Tony, they compared the first time he came to the next time he comes. And they said the first time he came, he came as a baby in a manger. But the next time he comes, he'll be on a white horse. The first time he came, he came as a pauper. But the next time he comes, he will be the owner of the universe. The first time he came, he came as a carpenter's son. But the next time he comes, he comes as a son of God rising with healing in his wings. The first time he came, he came as deity clothed in flesh. 
But the next time he comes, he comes as deity clothed in glory. The first time he came, he came as God but was still yet man. But the next time he comes, he comes as Lord of Lords. The first time he came, he came for the purpose of redeeming mankind. But the next time he comes, he comes to judge the world and reclaim it for mankind. The first time he came, he came as a Jewish boy. But the next time he comes, he comes as the head of every race, every tribe, and every tongue. The first time he came, he only lives 33 and a half years. But the next time he comes, Brother Stout, he is here to stay. The first time he came, he came to Bethlehem. But the next time he comes, he comes to Jerusalem, puts his feet on the Mount of Olives, and he rules, and he reigns forever. The first time he came, he came as a prophet and a teacher. But the next time he comes, he comes as the King of Kings. The first time that he came, he came to heal the sick, to raise the dead, and set the captives free. But the next time he comes, he comes to do away with sickness, with poverty, and disease. The first time he came, his birth was heralded by an angel. But the next time he comes, he will be riding with his saints. The first time that he came, a star marked the place of his birth. But the next time he comes, he comes as the bright and the morning star. The first time he came, three wise men followed a star to find him, to bring gifts to him and worship him. But the next time that he comes, every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess of things in heaven, of things in earth, and of things under the earth, that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. The first time he came, shepherds came to visit him. But the next time he comes, he comes as the chief shepherd. The first time that he came, gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh were brought to him. But the next time he comes, he will present gifts to men and reward them for their labor. I'm telling you, he came the first time as a baby, but the next time he comes, he is coming as a king. Every eye shall see him. Every eye shall behold him. I'm telling you, Jesus Christ is coming again. Hallelujah. Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. Oh, my Lord is coming back to earth again. Oh, my Lord is coming back to earth again. I'm glad he didn't stop at the manger. I'm glad he didn't stay a baby. I'm glad he didn't stay a man. I'm glad he didn't stay on the cross. I'm glad that Jesus Christ is coming back again as our King and as our Lord. Come on and praise him today. Let me wrap this thing up this morning. And here's what you have to understand today. That his, his birth, his life, his death, his resurrection, his return. It's all about his love for us. Let me slow down a little bit now. Catch my breath and just talk for a minute. The whole reason that God sent him was because of love. The entire reason that he walked this earth for 33 and a half years and gave sight to the blind and hearing to the deaf and life to the dead 
it's because of love. The only reason that he would stand before a court and be lied on and accused falsely and never open his mouth was because he loved us. The only thing that kept him tied to a whipping post in Pilate's courtyard certainly wasn't because he wanted to, but it was his love that kept him there. The only reason that he would let them put that splintered, rugged wooden cross on his back that had already been laid open by that whip, strips of flesh hanging down his back, and some of the theologian and commentators said it was quite possible you could literally see some of his internal organs. He was beat so viciously. The only reason he would let him put that cross beam on his shoulders, he would take that walk down what they call the Via Dolorosa and up to Calvary's Hill they called Golgotha, which means the place of the skull. And every step that he took, that splintered, rugged cross would just dig deeper into that open flesh on his back. The only reason he did it was because of love. The only thing that would allow him to laid down on that cross. And Roman soldiers take six to nine inch spikes and drive them, not in his hands, because it's a medically proven fact that your hands cannot hold your body weight up. But in between this area and his wrist, these two bones, there was this place that they could drive a spike in where it would hold the man's body weight up. The only reason that he would allow that to happen, not just through his hands, but through his feet, putting one on top of the other and driving the spike through both feet to attach it to the cross. The only reason was love. The only reason was love. The only reason he would kneel down in a garden prior to all of those events that I just mentioned unfolding and be so stressed that his sweat would drip from his brow as great drops of blood was love. The only reason he would let those men pull handfuls of beard out of his face was love. The only reason he would let him take that crown of thorns, thorns that were several inches long, put it on top of his head and take this hard wooden instrument and beat it down on his head till it dug down into his skull. The only reason was love. And during this Christmas season, it's important that you remember that Jesus was God's gift to this world. The gift of his birth brought hope to a world in chaos. 
with such a gift. Wrapped in swaddling clothes. Placed, you know, we like to use the proper word, a manger. But really all that manger was was a feeding trough that animals ate out of. See, I think we've gotten to the place that we we want to dress we want to dress the stable and the barn up. You can't dress that up. The inn was full. There's no place for him to lay his head. So the innkeeper relegated him to a back barnyard somewhere in the stable. And the king of glory was born with no pomp and no circumstance except that an angel found some lowly shepherds tending their sheep and announced to them Jesus is born Jesus has come the wise men would come later on if you study history and scripture the wise men didn't come to the manger the wise men, the Bible said, came to his house. About two years of age, Jesus was. And they showed up at his house and they brought gifts to him. They brought gifts to the gift. Gold, frankincense, myrrh, gifts for a prophet, gifts for a priest, gifts for a king. Did they know, and B, that they were prophesying with those gifts and he would fulfill all three of those offices of prophet, priest, and king? They must have known something. of his birth brought hope to a world of chaos. His first coming brought hope to a chaotic world. The gift of his life. You know, I'm concerned that we always get to Christmas and we get to Easter and we just, we want to just talk either about the baby at Christmas or just about the Savior on the cross at Easter and we forget everything in between. Joe Blankenship, he was human and lived on this earth like you and I. Never knew sin. Never knew sin until he knew ours. But the gift of his life marked by miracle after miracle after miracle. And we skip over it and read it like it's just nothing. You know why? Because familiarity breeds contempt. And we become familiar with Christ. And sometimes we get so familiar we don't even realize that maybe he has, we have maybe slipped away a little bit from him because we've become so familiar. I mean, his own mother lost him. He didn't realize until after three days he was even gone anywhere. They're three days into the journey. Wait, I've left Jesus somewhere because he'd become familiar. I've been teaching on Wednesday nights to our class. I've talked about this the last, last week about his miracles. The Bible only records 35 miracles. But John... John, the beloved, the disciple that literally laid on the breast of Jesus. He said there's so many other signs and things that Jesus did while he was on this earth. John must have seen them. He said that if they were to be written and recorded in books, he said the world, the world could not contain all the books that would be written about his life and what he did. Don't miss it. gift of his life birthed joy into the hearts of men and women and boys and girls 
can't tell you the times that I read in Scripture where he'd stop by a couple of different places, lay his hand on little children that were sick with fever, even dead, and just that word from him, and up they would go. One of the rulers of the synagogue, one of the board members of the church named Jairus had a 12-year-old daughter. She dies. Jesus walks into the house. And people are weeping and they're wailing and they're crying. Back in that day, when there was a death, they would hire professional mourners to come in and mourn. And Jesus walks in. He says, she's not dead, she's just sleeping. And they mocked him. They ridiculed him. Bible said after he put them all out he put down out and let faith in he said little girl I say to you get up and the Bible said that she opened her eyes and she sat up and I don't think it's an accident the Bible records this because this is what all kids do she asked for something to eat read your Bible and see we miss that and the gift of his life joy the gift of his death on the cross his resurrection from the grave birthed eternity in the heart of mankind do you realize that when you receive Christ there's a new birth it's a new life it's like it's being like being born again and know what he told Nicodemus in John chapter 3 Teacher, what, what must I do? What can I do? How, how, how do we inherit eternal life? Unless a man is born again, he told him. Well, how can a man be born a second time? Can he enter back into his mother's womb? No, no, Jesus said, unless one is born of the Spirit. It's the drawing power of the Spirit of God that brings us to a place and it births eternity in our hearts. So it was the gift of his birth that brought hope to a world in chaos. It was the gift of his life that breathed joy into the hearts of men and women and boys and girls. It was the gift of his death on the cross, the resurrection from the grave that birthed eternity into the heart of men and women. And it's the gift of his return that will bring peace and joy to a world in the throes of crisis. Pastor, certainly the world's going to get better. It's going to turn at some point. Don't fool yourself. You think it's spiraling and spinning out of control now. You've not seen anything yet. I mean, we're living in a time where just this week, a school district in our state had to close schools because an assignment was given to some kids to do some calligraphy that spelled out the Muslim faith and belief that Allah is God and parents raised a stink. And don't you dare, I mean, Augusta County, not a very big county at all, don't you dare think, well, that'll never happen here. Don't fool yourself, it's coming. 
I'm going to say something here, and I'm taking a little bit of time because it's only 11.40. I don't care what politician will look at you, and I'm not a political preacher, and I'm not preaching politics. I'm preaching facts. You can look into a TV camera. It will tell you we're going to defeat ISIS, and we've got them under control. It's a lie. And I don't care if a Democrat says it, Republican says it, or a preacher or anybody else says it. They're not under control. They're still murdering and beheading people. Oh, but we'll, we'll get them. We'll, we'll get them under control. I don't believe we'll ever get them under control. <clears throat> Let me tell you this story. I didn't plan on telling this, but... You know, Facebook is, can be a really great tool if it's used right. But it also can be a tool of Satan if it's used wrong. <clears throat> I was reading yesterday through my news feed and a couple of my friends from way back in middle school days had liked this post where a young lady that I attended middle school with back in uh, <clears throat> actually elementary school, fourth grade, fifth grade, sixth grade, seventh grade, even up to half of my eighth grade year and then my father moved and took a different church. <clears throat> we lived up in Northern Virginia in Front Royal. And on that news feed yesterday, there was this interview <clears throat> that she had done. And it goes on to tell the story that she'd been married for several years to a man, and in 2011, they divorced. He was the co-founder of um, this, this social media thing. I think it's called Plaxo, P-L-A-X-O. His partner had been involved as one of the co-founders of Facebook. They'd sold the company out. But anyway, she had divorced him in 2011. And last January, they, were, <clears throat> they had settled on this. They had five children. Had settled on visitation and how to, you know, to be with the kids and when they would see him and so on and so forth. And she had remarried a young man. They were married for about six months. And there was a, a dispute over the kids and whether the ex-husband was comfortable letting the new husband see them and be around them, and evidently he was not. Long story short, he shows up at the house one night. She was going to pick up her kids from basketball practice, two of them that were there. And she had gone to the school to pick them up. The ex-husband was there, and he looked in the car to find out the other children weren't home with her with her new husband. He was furious about that, and he ran home. He kicks in the door as she drives up with the other two children. She sees her current husband in the foyer of her house, and her ex-husband had kicked in the door, got in the house, and she watches her ex-husband murder her husband of six months in cold blood. I'm talking about a world in the throes of crisis right now, and I watched Denise do the interview. And then not long after he had passed, just a few weeks, she got word that she was pregnant with their child. And she gave birth to that, to that baby. And as I read that last night and I watched her interview last night, my mind went back to that middle school and that lunch table that so many of us sat at. We were friends. And I didn't realize at the time that she had faith, that she was a person of faith. But as I 
As I read over her Facebook post, I listened to her interview, the faith that resonated. She says, eye has not seen and ear has not heard and neither has entered into the heart of man the things that God has in store for those that love him. And she talks about the hope she has of where her husband is and the hope she has in Christ. <clears throat> and all yesterday and last evening, I'm just going to confess, I just, I didn't have a whole lot to do yesterday, so I, Brother Tarman, I vegged out. I watched a basketball game and two football games. And even felt bad after doing it, but... <clears throat> could not shake that I'm telling you we're living in a world in the throes of crisis Kenny Hancock and how do you wrap your mind around that event and that scenario but here's what she said I know one day I'm going to see him again <laughs> there's a hope that she had it was anchored in the fact that Jesus is coming again If we only have hope in this life only, Paul said, we are of all men. We're pitiful. But we've got hope beyond this life. You know why? Because Jesus is coming again. And the gift of his return is going to bring peace and joy to a world that's in the throes of crisis. I'm going to ask you to stand with me, please, this morning, <clears throat> if you don't mind. <clears throat>